Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Check Your Past and Present. On today's episode, we are going to look at you know, what, in our opinion, are the top five drivers that have never won a championship that are no longer active in the Cup Series. And some of these drivers probably will surprise you that we put them on the list, especially mine. And I think W went a little bit more back in the past than I did on most of mine. But uh, to get it started, W, who's your number five? Yeah, I went with uh, Davey Allison. I know we talked about him a lot on the history episode last week. Um, obviously, if you're not familiar with his accomplishments, 19 wins and 191 races. Finished third in the points twice. Um, 92 top tens across those 191 races. These are just cup stats, by the way. Um, he was a rookie year at 87, and he was on both the 50th and 75 greatest driver list. Um, obviously, uh, between the air that he raced in and God calling him up to heaven at the age of 32, I think that um, – I, I personally think that Davey, that's the reason he ever won a championship. Obviously, immensely talented. Um, just scraped in my top five, obviously. I was between him and two other guys that are in my honorable mentions we'll talk about later in the show. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really felt like we, – and, we, again, we went in a lot of detail, so I won't go in as much this week, but – Went a lot of detail about that 92 race in Atlanta and that 92 season as a whole. So, and even in 93, and it just, just to say if he, hypothetically, if he, he, he would have lived and, and went on, um, you know, he was running very well, good in points that year too. So, they, I got Davey for number five. So, maybe a little biased, but also felt like he definitely, definitely has got to be in here. Yep, I would agree with you that he deserves to be on your list. Um, definitely a good driver. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I ain't going to talk much about him because he's on my list, but a little higher than yours. So I'll touch okay. on it a little bit more later. My number five is a guy that got bashed for not living up to the family name. That's probably going to give it away to everybody right now. But it's Dylan Hart Jr. Mm-hmm. Because he's a two-time Daytona 500 winner. He won two Xfinity, then Bush Series championships. He won 26 races and had 260 top tens. Yes, those numbers are not outstanding by no means. I know there's some other drivers that probably have better numbers. But I believe some things played in his career that affected it and what – and I've really started to feel this way over the last, I'd say, two to three years. Because if you look at the first few years of his career from 2000 – through 2004, multi-time winner, finished third in the points in 03, was a championship favorite all year in 2004, won six races. If it wouldn't have been for an accident, not of his own making Atlanta, he probably is the 2004 champion. And then looking on Pat, move forward a couple of years after 2007, those first four to five years of Hendrick, it, with the exception of 2008 being decent, was terrible. Anybody yes. knows that that follows the sport. I personally think something happened with Junior Saki when DEI was gone. And it affected him. And then when his personal life got better, they gave – he started dating and got engaged to his now wife, Gosley Latar. If you look at 2014, 15 – he won at least three races both years, solidly in the top ten in points, was 
Kevin was one or two last at Talladega, Kevin Harvick doesn't keep wrecking the field on purpose at Talladega in 2015 of making the Final Four, probably. In 2016, he was second in points when he went out with the concussion, and obviously when he came back, he never was the same. I just believe that he had a ton of talent, and he just never really was able to show what all he had for many different reasons. I know that's a probably not a popular opinion, but that's how I feel. I think it's interesting. I really like – and um, two things I want to elaborate on that you talked about is I think that it's, it's always funny for me, at least, that his two best seasons were 10 years apart in 2004 and 2014 um, with a lot of bad mixed in the middle there. I think Junior was also very talented, but I also think there were a lot of guys who were maybe more talented than him that didn't get the opportunities. However, for me, I think that's why I couldn't stand Junior when he raced. And it was nothing against Dale Jr., let me put that out there. But I think it was kind of like almost that privilege that you felt like he had in the sport. And I've said this multiple times. Now the reason that I love Dale Jr., um, I have a son drop Dale Jr. can actually sitting up here right now with me, uh, is because of what he's used that privilege after he's gotten out of the sport. Um, But when you take it, and I say all that to say this, when you take it and look at it at a bird's eye view of his career and you just say remove the name, remove the face, remove the personality, um, and just talk about the race car driver, the numbers that he put up. He he was a great race car driver. He, he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think necessarily first ballot based off the stats he got in because of the impact he had on the sport, which I think was absolutely 100% warranted. I agree 100% him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm just saying the stats itself. I mean, you win that many races. Um, I think you get to that 20 race win mark. You solidify yourself as a, as a Hall of Famer at some point after you retire. So, And I also wanted to point out, I love that you bring up 2015. Not a lot of people think about this because when I think about the postseason in 2015, I think about four or five different things. Two or three of those dealing with Joey Logano when he swept the round of, uh, what was it, the round of 12 that year? Yes. Um, swept the round of 12 that year. Um, and then getting dumped by Matt Kenseth and the Kansas race. So I think about those three things. But then the fourth thing I think about is, like you said, at Talladega, probably should have won that race when Joey won it, and Joey swept the round of 12. And if he wins that race, that puts him in the round of eight. Well, in the round of eight, the Phoenix race used to be the last race before going to Homestead, which was the championship race of 2015. Well, Junior won that on a rain-shortened deal, mm-hmm. and which would have put him in – the final four, uh, like you said, would have been in the final four. And again, a lot of people don't really think about that. Um, and I, I've never really heard it talked about. So really glad you brought that up. Um, I thought about putting Dale Jr. on my list too, but just other guys I felt to be more deserving. But yeah, Dale Jr. is very interesting for me because as a race car driver, maybe had a lot more to do with his fan base. No offense to those that did pull for Dale Jr. out there. But um, now that he's retired, man, I mean, I've done a complete 180 on him. Wears stuff. Uh, absolutely love him. So. I love that you put him on there. Yeah, and I'm the same way, man. I was a Gordon fan. We couldn't like Earnhardt, whether he <laughs> was good or not, no matter what it was. I'm the same way. I didn't like him until after they both retired. Because it was just – it's basically like an Alabama fan saying, oh, I pull for Tennessee too. You just can't do that. That's funny that you bring that up before we, <laughs> before we leave this off. When he got the concussion deal, obviously it wasn't funny in 2020. And then Jeff was his replacement driver for a few races. That's something yeah. that – Again, just with the history element to it, it was even more ironic, in my opinion. Yeah, you mean to tell me I got a pull for a car with the number eight on it? That's what <laughs> I was thinking. But uh, um, I guess uh, we've done coverage, Junior, good. And like I said, a lot of people probably disagree with it. 
but I just feel like he had a lot more talent than what he actually showed he had. But moving on to number four, who do you have there, Brett? So I have uh, it's three and four, two guys that are very, very, very closely related. Um, if you don't mind, we'll do both of them together. Okay. Um, because and, – and you'll figure out why when I say the first one. So at number four, I have Fireball Roberts. And then at number three, I have Junior Johnson. And the reason that they're so closely related is not only the era that they raced in, but uh, Junior Johnson was also involved in the accident that ended up leading to um, the fatal accident, I should say, of Fireball Roberts. So um, I didn't intentionally put these guys at three and four. It's just kind of how they got ranked on my list. Um, but Fireball won 33 races um, over the 206 that he ran in his Cup Series career. 122 top tens in those 206 races, which may be not as impressive um, as that would be today, but over 50% rate of finishing the top ten. Um, he did finish second in the points once, and that was in 1950. Um, Fireball was the pole winner of the Daytona 500 in 61, 62, and 63. Won the 562, and he also won the Southern 500 in 58 and 1963. Um, he was the most popular driver in 1957. He was one of NASCAR's 50th greatest drivers in 98 and also 75 greatest drivers this year in 2023. He's in the International Motorsports Hall of Fame, the Motorsports Hall of Fame, and the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. And I think he should be um, in the NASCAR Hall of Fame um, during one of these days. But uh, it actually happened in the World 600 in 1964. Um, he, Ned Jarrett, and Junior Johnson collided and spun out. Um, fireball was trying to avoid him, and then uh, Fireball slammed backward into the inside retaining wall, flipped over, and burst into flames. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, when when you talk about that 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 incident, obviously, again, a lot of people have um, looped in uh, Fireball Roberts with Junior Johnson. Um, and if you also, it's worthy to note here about Fireball. I know we're talking about kind of maybe not necessarily their impact on the sport, but with his death, the death of Eddie Sachs and Dave McDonald in the Indy 500 um, in 1964, it also um, led to a lot more research on basically fire suits and the uniforms and trying to have more of a uh, deterrent on your, on your fire suit. So, um, his death, I know we talked a lot about last week with Dale Sr. and with Davey Allison and with um, uh, Kenny Irwin Jr. about how in the modern era that's kind of changed. Well, Fireball was one of those guys even back in the 60s that said, hey, probably don't want to race with your white T-shirt on and your blue jeans. Um, and as sad as it was to see him go, I think that was a really big thing in the history of the sport. And uh, then we got Junior Johnson. Obviously, a lot of people remember Junior as a car owner but a really, really good race car driver. Um, he won 50 races over his 14-year career, 148 top 10s and 313 races, finished sixth in the points twice. He also was a Daytona 500 winner. Um, even though he didn't win a championship as a driver, he won six of them as an owner, uh, three with D.W. Dale Waltrip and three with Kelly Yarborough. Um, he's both on the 50th and 75 greatest driver list. He was in the inaugural NASCAR Hall of Fame class, and he was also in the International Motorsports Hall of Fame and the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. Um, Junior Johnson and Associates, many people may would argue, be the most successful racing team um, 
perhaps in that second generation, as you put it in NASCAR racing, I would put it in that the 70s, 80s, and, and, and even into the early 90s, um, you know, the most successful team. Again, as we said, he won six championships from ranging from 76 to 85. So um, in a decade, he won six of the 10 seasons as a car owner. But as a race car driver, again, 50 wins. So uh, I, three and four, again, felt like I needed to do them together just because of the significance of, of um, Fireball's accident, but also um, Junior Johnson going on and doing what he did. So, yeah, That's two very good candidates. And Fireball – was ending the end of uh, nearing the end of his career before the accident happened. But one other thing that they recalls, it also ended another Hall of Famer's career just because it scared him pretty much. And that's Ned Jarrett. Well, Never heard that story because Ned was right there on the scene and helped pull him out of the car. Because a lot of people just read that you, that uh, fireball passed away. He actually survived the initial wreck. Mm-hmm. And Burns, he was in the hospital for several days. I can't remember the exact amount of time. It might have been several weeks, actually, before he passed away. It said here, I actually have it pulled up. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. It said Roberts was able to survive for several – well, actually, let's, let's retract here. He sur- suffered second and third degree burns over 80% of his body, um, was airlifted to the uh, the hospital, and um, and it said – they thought that Roberts had an allergic reaction to the chemicals in his fire suit. He was secretly had asthma and the chemicals had affected his breathing. And then, as you just stated, he was able to go on and survive for several weeks, um, but it took for a turn for the worst. On June the 30th, he contracted pneumonia and sepsis and it slipped into a coma and died on July 2nd. So the, the accident actually happened on May 24th. And then he ended up passing away on July the second. So he stayed alive for about five weeks, um, as you just mentioned there. So, um, yeah, I mean, Fireball, like I said, he doesn't get as much credit. I feel like in the history of the sport as being a great race car driver, more or less, just the the, the terrible way that he passed away, um, and the reason that we have the 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 advancement that we have, I think, in fire suits now. So, but yeah, and then Junior, I mean, he's a guy. Junior Johnson, guy I've heard you talk a lot about. So I hope that's a popular one with you. I really like Junior Johnson, and that is a really good pick. Why I did not think of him, I do not know. Not just as a driver. He's one of the most influential people in the history of the sport. Right. Between being the car owner. Think of the car owner, the first guy to ever win three consecutive titles with Yarborough in the late 70s. Obviously, was one of the car owners in the 79-500. His story from being arrested, coming back, wind up getting pardoned by Reagan. It is just an incredible story, and he was an incredible talent. And he just there. If he would have kept driving, there's honestly no telling what he would have won, because right. he did not have that long of a career driving wise. Yeah, fourteen years. I mean, think about. I guess to kind of put it into perspective, it would have been like Jeff Gordon retiring after the 2007 season. To put that in perspective, or if Joey Logano would have retired. After the uh, well, it'd be like Joey Logano retired after this year. <laughs> kind of yeah. put it in perspective for you, or, or actually, no, would be like him retiring after last year, fourteen seasons. So, been like if Jeff would have retired after '06. So, just kind of put that in perspective for for the people out there. Yeah, it's definitely crazy what he, to think about what he could have done, and then it's amazing to think of what he almost did and. Or did do because you bring up the championships. He was very close to winning a couple more, 
the you know, one of the ones we've talked about on here quite a bit. Alan Quickie loses one spot in the last run at Atlanta. He's won another one then. Right. And 92 with Elliott. So, and I, I definitely love both of those picks and why I did not think, especially about Junior, because I love the history of Junior. I watch everything about him that you could possibly watch. And you know, I just you point out some, one more thing. I think it would have been very interesting with if you bring up Junior Johnson. If he would have won that championship in 92, he would have joined – and this is something I just thought about. I didn't read this. If I'm not mistaken, would have joined just Rick Hendrick and Richard Petty is the only two car owners to win seven championships. Because Richard Childress got to think. Dale Sr. did no, not win all seven of his championships with Richard Childress. So. Yeah, he would be the only one. Yeah. Hey, if you look at just current owners now, what is it? RFK and Penske tied with two, and then Hendrick above them. Um, well, RCR obviously was six, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, because Chase has one and Kyle Larson has one. Um, well, That's Penske exactly. would have uh, Penske would have what three? Uh, Joey has two. And Brad's. Um, well, no. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brad's. With the active guys in the field, yeah, yeah, yeah. Penske would have three. But with the guys still running for him, he would only have two. Um, Yeah, that's interesting, man. Like I said, and you got to think about how long Kale and DW ran in the field together. Um, mm-hmm. And then even even when he had Bill Elliott, I know Bill didn't win his championship for him, but still. Um, yeah, I mean, Junior John, I, again, I feel like these guys are two guys that honestly don't, really even get enough credit, um, even what Junior did outside of the race car. I mean, we talk about him a lot, but I kind of grouped Junior Johnson into that Wood Brothers kind of category. So influential on the sport, and they just don't get enough credit. Oh, I agree with that. And the, I wish you heard, had more people talk about him. And, you know, really, you have people talk about the Wood Brothers, but there's several drivers. You don't hear people talk about David Pearson, in my opinion. Uh, mm I mean, any of those guys back then. You don't hear about the – and all honesty, you've heard more about him in the last month than you have the last six years because, unfortunately, he's been under the weather. But Kale, you don't ever hear nothing about Kale. Right. So, there's a bunch of them guys from back then that deserve more recognition and appreciation for what they did for this sport. But I guess now we'll move on to my number four. And definitely I'm staying more recent than you did. My number four is a Bush Series champion and a Craftsman Truck Series champion, two-time Southern 500 winner, 2001 Bush Series Rookie of the Year, 98 Craftsman Truck Series Rookie of the Year, Greg Biffle. This is another one that's not real popular with a lot of people. And I get that because everybody looks at 2014 – the rest of his career where Roush was terrible, mm-hmm. didn't have no success. But if you go back and look at 2005 when he lost the championship by 27 points, I believe, to Tony Stewart, barely edging out, edging out Mark Martin for second to points. And if you look at the numbers, I'm going to go look at some numbers in the lower series just to show because I know it's the lower series. But to put up numbers like this, he ran 244 Xfinity Series races in his career. 
It finished in the top 10, 149 of them, and won 20 times. That top 10 ratio is really impressive. And listen to his truck stats. 83 races, he finished in the top 10 55 times with 17 wins. Ridiculous. Crazy numbers. I mean, that's why, what's one of the main, now don't get me wrong, Kyle Busch, we praise him because of, obviously he's a good driver, but everybody wants to throw that 200 number out. So I think it's only fair if we're going to do that with him, we throw these numbers in for Greg. Right. In the Cup Series, he had 19 wins, the final one coming in 2013, and only 175 top 10s. And I know that's a low number, especially when you look at 515 starts. But if you take those numbers and pretend he quit racing after 2013, it would be a whole lot better situation as far as his starts to top 10 ratio. And you know that as far as I do. Because Roush, after 2013, they had one more decent year in 14. And actually, I think Biffle made the playoffs in 14. But after that, Roush was done. Until really last year, about halfway through the year, they have been on a downward spiral. Well, you know, Carl's last year with Roush was in 2014. So that's mm -hmm. why I feel like that was a decent year for them, in my opinion. Yeah. And then, well, they had a lot – with all these other drivers leaving, they lost a bunch of sponsor backing, mm -hmm. obviously. But the thing also, Greg, is he was inducted into the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame in 2022. He is one of uh, the 75 greatest drivers on NASCAR's uh, 75 that they came out with this year. And one other thing that I'd like to point out about Greg, in my opinion, is for whatever reason – he didn't get his shot as early as a lot of guys do. Greg Biffle started his first full-time season in 2003. Jeff Gordon had been racing since 93, and Biffle is two years older than Jeff Gordon. So I think you look at – now, I'm not saying if he'd have started in 93, he would have won four championships or none of that, obviously. But I'm going to say he was closer to his prime almost really being over by the time he finally got there. So I think the raw talent that Greg Biffle had is more than what people give him credit for. And if you look at the trucks and Xfinity numbers, and if you look at the years he had in 2004, 2005, 2006, and then even in 2010, he won the first two races in the playoffs. I just think he had a lot of talent. He was really close two or three times winning, being the first driver to ever win all three championships. Yeah, I mean, Greg had a really good career. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Jonathan. I think uh, <laughs> I, this might not be a popular opinion to have, but um, I don't think he should have been on the 75 greatest driver list. Um, and that's coming from a big Roush fan, a big Ford <laughs> guy. I, I did like – I love Greg um, when he raced. I, I mean, he was never, like, one of my favorites, but I respected him. He was always a clean race car driver. Um, I'm glad he's back in the SRX series. Um, he kind of got done dirty last night, to be quite fair to him. Um, he got dumped by Daniel Suarez, but uh, still came out. I think he finished fifth in the feature, if I'm not mistaken. So it's good to see a guy like Greg still racing, even if it is an SRX. But, yeah, I, I I don't know, man. It's tough for me because for Greg, I always felt like there were better drivers, but then I always feel like Greg outran his equipment. And I, I love the, the, the point that you bring up about how he was a very late bloomer, which is why I'm interested to see kind of like a guy like a Josh Berry, see how his career plays out. 
is very similar career path and to that of Greg Biffle. So um, I I don't know. I I think he was a fringe. Let me say he was a fringe guy for the seventy five greatest driver list. And I'll say that if a guy like a Casey Kane made it, then Greg definitely needed to make it. Um, and I don't know. I kind of felt like more Bush guys and truck series guys should have made it, but that also strengthens Greg's um, case because he did win a truck truck championship and a and a, and a Bush championship and finished second in in the, in the Cup Series one year. So I don't know. I, I, he definitely deserved to make it. I keep talking myself out of it. I felt like maybe my initial thoughts was that he shouldn't, but when you go back and look at the stats, Greg put up a lot better stats across all three series, and I think a lot of people give him credit for it. So. I think I kind of just talked myself out and debated myself there a little bit. But um, when you look at the numbers, they, they don't lie about Greg Biffle. Yeah, they're definitely not the best by no means. And the next three on my list are going to have a lot better numbers. But those are just two guys. I debated between him, Junior, uh, my, my, it just well, who you got at number three? Them. Uh, Davey. Davey is okay. my number three. You look at, like you said, 191 races, top tens in 92 of them. That is incredible. 19 wins, 14 poles. The year before he unfortunately passed away, should have won the championship. And like me and you, I ain't going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Davey because we talked about all of his, what we thought would have been his accomplishments last week. But uh, I really do believe he's one of the greatest ever that did not win a championship. 100%. But uh, moving on to number two, Brett, who do you got for number two? I had to debate on this one. Um, I feel like, obviously, Denny Hamlin is a guy, when we talk about having won a championship, you, you throw him up there with these other two names. I definitely think our final two names are going to be the same. just depends on what order they're going to be in. At number two, I went with my – my time joy the guy who's my favorite driver to ever get in race cars, Carl Evans. Um, I felt a lot of pain in 2020 when the Braves lost the NLCS. I felt a lot of pain from the Atlanta Braves in general. I felt pain from the Carolina Panthers when they lost Super Bowl 50. I felt pain from the Georgia Bulldogs when they got beat by Alabama in the 2017 National Championship and then in the 2018 SEC uh, Championship game. I, I, what, at the point that I'm getting here, I have felt pain from my sports team. But the most immense pain I've ever felt in my entire life was that 2011 Homestead race. I, I don't know that and the Braves losing in the NLCS in 2020, blowing a 3-1 lead, are the two worst pains I've ever felt as a sports fan. Because as hard and as much as I pulled for Carl Edwards, you, you never forget your first favorite driver being Elliot Sadler. But I was kind of born into that with my dad being an Elliot Sadler fan. But you never forget the guy that made you love – a sport, right? You never forget a, a Chipper Jones for me made me love baseball or a, a, a Kimball Walker for me made me love a game of basketball or a Steve Smith made me love a game of football. Carl Edwards is a reason that I'm a NASCAR fan today. And I think you'd probably say the same for Jeff Gordon for you. Um, yes. and, but that that's, that's who Carl is for me. And I mean, 28 races across, or excuse me, 28 race wins in the cup series across 445 races. 220 top 10. So we talk about that 50% rate top 10s to races started. Uh, Carl almost hits the threshold there, just barely misses it. Um, he was the rookie of the year in the Bush series in 05. He was a rookie of the year in the truck series in 03. 
was the most popular Bush Series driver in 07, and he was also on the 75 greatest drivers list this year. Um, he never won a Daytona 500. He did win a 600 and a Bojangles 500, both in 2015, his first year at JGR. Um, even though he never won a cup championship, he did win a Bush championship in 2007. Um, he won 38 career Bush slash Xfinity career series races. Um, and he had six truck series wins, which he finished fourth in points in 2004. And also just want to throw this out here about his Bush series career. You talk about Greg Biffle, Carl Edwards finished top three in points in the Bush series from 2005 to 2010, 2010 being the final year that you could no longer bushwhack after that year. So um, top three in points from 05 to 2010, um, including a championship victory in 2007 and finishing second in points in 08, 09, and 2010. Um, Obviously, if it would have been Winston Cup points format, Carl Edwards would have two championships. The first coming in 2008, and when that was with Darren Jimmy's uh, historic run, Carl actually run three out of the final four races that year in 2008, um, including a fourth-place finish at Phoenix, mixed in between his Atlanta and Texas wins back-to-back, and then winning the final race of the year at Homestead. And then the painful year that is 2011, where he finished out the year with three straight P2 finishes. Um, He had, you know, in the chase – I mean, he had a top 10 in every race except for Talladega, in which he finished 11th. Um, I mean, 92 Davey Allison and 2011 Carl Edwards, in my opinion. And there's a guy at number one who had a really good year. We'll get to him, though. Those are probably the greatest seasons that ever won a championship. So I say all that to say I had to heavily debate myself between this and the guy at number one, which everybody knows who's at number one. But, um, man, Carl Edwards, my guy. Yeah, I had to debate too, and the rest of the show is going to be us agreeing too much because <laughs> I have Edwards at number two. I debated on it for probably an hour the other day when I was thinking about this. Like you bring up the 220 top 10s and 445 races, that's incredible. The 28 wins, 22 poles, the incredible Xfinity Series stats, 174 top 10s and only 244, 245 starts. I mean, the man was incredible. It's a shame that he never won a championship, in my opinion. And the whole Winston Cup thing, me and you are eventually going to do an episode on that. And I probably will raise my voice some on that one because it still it fires <laughs> me up every time I think about it. Because it, it made a teenage boy be real sad two different times. Well, three different times, really. But uh, I just don't – it was uh, a shame. And the thing about Carl is – and I'll talk on this. And I know you had kind of felt a little betrayed because he went to Gibbs and Toyota from talking. Because, you know, if y'all haven't noticed, Brad is very manufacturer oil. I am, but I am loosening up on that. It's funny. Yeah, you are starting this podcast. I was talking to my dad, and it's funny. We're talking about Carl. There's a report that came out the other day that he may run with 2311 at some point. And I told my dad, I told him, I said, I wouldn't care if he got in Toyota Prius. I said, as long as Carl Evers is back out there in a cup car, I'd be pulling for him. So I will I will say that, but go ahead. But what I was going at, the uh, sudden exit of his, 
right. since you've done such a good job of touching on the stats, I'll talk about that. Because we all know 2016 Homestead, mm-hmm. he's going, he's running away with that race, going to win the championship. And the phantom debris caution that NASCAR became famous for in the mid-team from 2012-ish to really 2020, or maybe even 21, bit Carl because it wasn't going to be an exciting finish. And I hate to say I love this sport. I don't know what it was, but if you call it a brick caution, you better be able to show it. And it better mm-hmm. not be an aluminum Coke can on the back straightaway, six lanes away from the cars. It is – I feel bad for him in that retrospect. And I think one of the reasons he left, I think it's because he felt robbed. And I hate to say it as much as I love him. NASCAR flat out robbed Carl Edwards that night. 100%. And he had that race won, if you remember that caution. And then racing happened on the front straightaway, which led in to that wreck between him and Logano. And nobody watching any race at any time would have ever thought that was going to be the last time you see Carl Edwards. And it may not be, as you're talking about, because there's starting to be more and more rumors. I think he's got a little bit of the bug. But... And you go back, and I actually saw his interview after that race probably a month ago. And he's talking about we're going to get them next year because they finished 2016 extremely hot. They was on a roll, and they by far were the best team at the end of that season, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I hate that he never won it, and it was really hard for me not to put him number one. And probably everybody knows who number one is going to be, but the longevity is probably the only reason that I didn't right. put him number yeah. one. And number one's actually Ryan terrible. Newman. It's Ryan Newman, actually. Anybody's out there wondering um, who who we keep talking about? If you're no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, not Ryan Newman. Not Ryan Newman, guys. It's not on my end, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just trying to deflect off the Olmstead race because at that time I think I I don't know, man. I, I was a little I was bitter at him still, but I was just like, man, I don't want to see him go out here and win a championship, not in a Ford. But, like, now looking back on it and maturing a little bit more and I guess just as a race fan with the bird's eye view, man, I wish he'd won that championship. Oh, man, it it, it just still it, it bothers me because it's like he won that championship. He's probably still racing today. He may even have, be back in the forward, but at that point, who cares, right? He's still out there racing. And so, yeah, that, that, that race bothers me. Um, and I go back and watch that interview. You talk about that interview a lot. I go back and watch that interview so much. And the thing that I noticed from the end of that race that, again, is a lasting imprint on me from Carl, he goes over to Joey's pit box, goes, talks to Ty Gordon, who was his crew chief at that time, and tells him, go win the championship. Because he knew that Joey did nothing wrong. A lot of people tried to, tried to mm-hmm. you know, some people tried to criticize Carl for throwing a block, which is for the championship. Why wouldn't you throw a block? And then other people tried to – Criticized Joey, who was also in the championship for which, again, why would he try to force it in there? That's also for the championship. That's kind of the product that NASCAR created there, in my opinion. And I think that it was awesome that both – because people don't forget, or people forget too, Joey had a really good car on the short run that night. If he had got past Carl, nobody was going to beat Joey on that restart. Um, And then that also ruined Joey's championship chances that night because Mm -hmm. Jimmy Johnson probably barely had a top five car that night. No, 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 no. Jimmy Johnson didn't have a top seven car that night. Fair enough. Well, that even further validates my point. 
No. And that's like still, but I know I'm a Hendrick guy, but the whole Gordon versus Johnson thing, and he wound up with seven championships, especially the way he got his seventh one, that bugs the crap out of me. Just putting it yeah. out there. <laughs> that, that, I, I'll say this. Carl Edwards should, he should be a three-time champion. But I would know that. Throw it out the window. At least should be a one-time champion, or Joey Logano should be a three-time champion. And you're like, well, Brett, you're saying this. Those are your two favorite drivers all the time. No, if you were alive and you watched that race in 2016, you know I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson should have not won that championship. But anyway, I get off some of my soapbox, and we'll talk more about our number one guy, which is Ryan Newman. No, it's not Ryan Newman. <laughs> it's Mark Martin. Um, yes, Mark Martin, Martin was robbed of probably two or three different championships in the 90s by NASCAR, which kind of seems to be the uh, kind of seems to be the trend here right now, doesn't it, Jonathan? We talk about yeah. Carl being robbed and now Mark being robbed. Um, Mark won 40 races. Um, I think the most impressive thing about Mark is that Mark almost had two different careers, really three different careers. I, I'll even <laughs> say you, you, you had his career where he was racing late models. He wanted to step out and he wanted to go drive in, in, in cup and pretty much, you know, his, his, his cup teams ended up going bankrupt. Couldn't find any money, bad sponsor deals. You can go and read about all that. I had to go back to ASA and pretty much, couldn't find a ride in ASA because all of his stuff had been liquidated and kind of found himself in the garage at the Daytona 500 a year after he had ran it. And it's like, man, I know I'm just as good as these guys, but, and that was even in an era where if you had talent, they'd find you. And he, but he didn't have the money. And then, you know, this weirdo named Jack Roush who wore a weird hat all the time said, man, I'm going to start a cup team. You know, you knew about the Roush Mustangs and then, he came out and said, I want Mark Martin to drive my race car. And Mark said, why would you want me? So I believe in you. And, well, the partnership worked out pretty, pretty good. Um, they should have won a championship in 90 and 94. No, nor here, nor there. Nor here, nor there. We're not going to say who did win the championships those years. Uh, but he was really good friends with the uh, France family. So, anyway, I'm about to get fired up right now. I've been around my dad and my late grandfather too much and hear these stories. But, anyway. Um, Mark was, uh, great in the Bush series. Um, you know, at the time of his last Bush series win, he did have the most Bush series wins of all time at 49. Obviously that's since been broken by, uh, by Kyle Bush and even Mark, um, in his later years ran some truck races and won seven truck races. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I'll let you talk about some of his other stuff. Cause I know he's number one for you too, but the 90 season, especially, Oh man. I, I think that would bug me more if I was alive than the 2011 season with Carl. But it, it does bug me just as equally. Just one quick thing on the trucks. He ran 25 races in 20 top tens. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yep. And he was in his mid to late 40s. I don't care yeah. what series is in. Yeah, he actually had a, a 50, he had a 50-plus percentage, top 10 percentage in each of the major three touring series. So, he had a – for every two races that he ran in NASCAR as a whole, um, and he ran over a thousand NASCAR sanctioned races, he, he had about probably a fifty to sixty percent chance of finishing the top ten. So just let that sink in for a second. Yes, that is incredible. And you bring in that ninety season. Yeah, I I would still be mad at NASCAR if I was him. Mm-hmm. And that's been over thirty years ago now. That is ridiculous. That. And literally, if you listen to the story, Childress came to NASCAR and told them to look for that part. 
for whatever reason he had. And that's what he lost the championship by. But if you go back and look, now let's pretend that doesn't happen. He finished second in 1990, 1994, 1998, 2002, and 2009. Every one of those drivers he finished second to has at least three championships. Yep. A lot of his thing, as good as he was, he just ran up against some incredibly talented drivers and teams. And the best year of his career is 1998. Mm-hmm. By far. But he gets, goes up against a dude that comes in there and run, wins 13 races and has a 10-race stretch during the middle of the summer where he don't finish worse than fifth and loses the championship by over a full race worth of points. That's the kind of stuff that Mark Martin came up against. And the talent, and it's just, to me, what shows how good of a driver he is is that 2009 season. You can say what you want to say. Oh, he was driving for Hendrick. The man was 50 years old. <laughs> and goes out there and wins five races and finishes second to Jimmy Johnson for the title. Absolutely incredible. He very easily could have won six or seven races that year. Had a couple slip away late. The things that man could do at his age are absolutely insane to me. And I will say this. with someone on him. I think there's one guy that has rivaled his career. If it was done now, it would be Denny Hamlin as far as success. That Mike has surpassed him as being the best all-time that's never won one. We may have to revisit this five years from now once Hamlin's retired. But there, without a doubt in my mind, no better driver that has never won a championship where the career is over than Mark Martin. The longevity, he was contending for championships from 1990 to 2009. Yeah, I'm. That is I'm, an incredible stretch. I like that you bring up Denny because we've had this discussion before off air. I'm so conflicted. Like I, I still between these two because Mark won 40 races. I think Denny's what sitting on 49, right? And yep. He's won more to get 50. So I'm very conflicted um, about that because yeah, Denny does have nine more wins. He has done it in a shorter time span, but I don't. And I know Denny's made top. Top fours. I know Denny pretty much gave away a championship to Jimmy Johnson one year, but I just felt like consistently Mark Martin in his career was more in the thick of things when it came to the championship battle. Um, and I feel like that's the one thing, like you said, he finished second five different times. Um, and two of those, I passionately feel that he got robbed of, um, which Dale Senior would only have five championships if that were the case. So, and again, I, for all the Dell Senior fans out there, listen, I love the history of Dell Senior just as much as the next guy. I will wear Intimidator stuff. Um, I've gotten to where I'm more of a race fan um, and a NASCAR fan more than anything else. I feel like it was like growing up, and I feel like it happens to a lot of us that just love the history of the sport because no matter if you hated a guy growing up, like I couldn't stand Jeff Gordon growing up. Um, I couldn't stand Hendrick Motorsports. Still don't really like Hendrick Motorsports. But now I love Jeff Gordon. I love him in the booth. I think it's awesome what he's doing as a car owner. Like I said about Dale Jr. earlier, didn't really like him growing up. Now I love him as an announcer. I love – I pull for him. I pull for his late model cars. I even pulled – have pulled for Josh Berry in the Xfinity Series. So it's kind of the same thing with Dale Sr., right? Like you love his legacy. And I feel like even if he would have survived and I would have grew up around him, I probably couldn't have, couldn't have stood him. But if, if I made it to this point in my life, I would have learned to respect him and love him, in which I, I did growing up anyway. But I think it was more of a legacy thing for me. The point I'm getting at is – it was still wrong 
how the preferential treatment that he received from NASCAR in the late 80s, early 90s. And even if you pulled for him or you didn't pull for him, Richard Childress Racing and Dell Sr., the preferential treatment that they received in those days was very wrong. It cost Mark Martin a championship, but a lot of people point that out, which I think is great for the sport. It's not to diminish the legacy of Dell Sr., rather to say that his preferential treatment diminished the legacy of, of, of Mark Martin. And, again, it just really bothers me. Um, it's kind of even the same thing with Carl at times. I didn't really feel like NASCAR wronged him for the exception of 2016. Those other championships, I just feel like they wronged him because of the chase format. But I, you can't get mad at that. Then you just start picking battles that lie in that gray area. But what they did in 1990 is black and white. Um, and I felt like that was very wrong. Probably the probably the worst thing they've done. And, I, and we talk about Chase Elliott today being NASCAR's golden boy. Nobody will ever touch Dale Senior being the golden boy. Let's, let's get that straight. So, anyway, I know that's a rabbit hole to go down. I don't know if you agree, disagree, agree with some, disagree with other stuff, but that's just my opinion there. Well, I agree a little. And there definitely was some time. It's really weird to me that the guy in charge of the whole sport would be talking to you on the radio throughout mm-hmm. the races. I mean, let's be honest, that is a little – Odd, and then it just so happened to be if it would have been Mark Martin battling Rusty Wallace for a championship, okay, but it just happened to be him. And the way that NASCAR found it ain't like they failed to RCR told NASCAR to go check a certain part. I mean, RCR shouldn't have known anything about that part to start with, he was just guessing and got lucky. I think. Well, wasn't the if I'm not mistaken, Dale Sr. had the same part on a car in RCR in 89, but they just got a, a small fine, if I'm not mistaken on that. And that's how Richard knew about it. No, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, Brett. I, I've, watched, on that one. I, I've watched and, and done some research on it. Um, had an illegal carburetor. Um, ironically, the spacer that had been welded uh, – the, the spacer had been welded instead of bolted. Um, this would have um, – it would have not been considered illegal if it had been uh, bolted on instead of welded. Um, it did not give him a competitive advantage, um, but was based on letter of the law with regard to the NASCAR rulebook. Um, and it might not be Dale Sr., but I, I'm, I am pretty sure that somebody either before or after Mark also had a spacer um, welded on, and they didn't get a points penalty. But, again, we're talking about NASCAR, the most inconsistent section and body in all sports. So, just like you, I love yeah. I watch it till the day that I die. But, um, yeah. Sometimes they make you mad. Yeah, they do. Real mad. Like, something – like, I thought about a couple of things we didn't talk about Monday. We ain't going to get on that, but – with the way they do some scoring when people have spins and stuff. But anyway. Don't understand. It's just like, you know, on my soapbox, I, I keep watching this stuff on YouTube talking about the Daytona race last year. And I know it, it did not end up mattering. Um, but at that time, Kevin Harvick should have been the race winner if the race would have been rained out. And, and, again, I know it didn't end up mattering because they went back green. Austin Dillon won the race. I understand. But stuff like that is just 
bothersome to me okay. because they like to say different stuff and it's just anyway 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 well i'm gonna go since you know you kept to go and i gotta say what i was gonna say that I was gonna go ahead. on monday alex bowman he doesn't completely spin out right but he gets absolutely sideways nascar throws the caution for him he gets passed by four or five cars <laughs> he is the reason for the caution brett and they give him the spots back right to where he was running before said caution even the local short tracks, if you spin, you go to the back. Right. You're the reason for the caution to the back. Not only did they not do that, they gave him his spots back. Mm-hmm. And I, and we, there were similar issues at the street course a few weeks ago. But I'm, I vented about it. It's ridiculous. They need to figure out how to fix it. If you listen to uh, Door Bumper Clear, they're complaining about it too. So that was kind of that was the point I was getting at with Harv last year. You know, they said that he was uh, in the accident that took place. But it was like, like you break up Alex Bowman this past weekend, and then he gets his, his, his spots back. So, I don't know. Again, it's all we're venting about all of this to say we love NASCAR, but they have, uh, they have cost us some things as fans and also some drivers as things um, in the past. And, we just need more consistency out of them because if we did, we probably wouldn't be talking about two of these guys on this list being Carl Edwards and Mark Martin. So I think that was kind of our consensus here. I did have two honorable mentions that we didn't really talk about, didn't really touch on. We don't really have to touch on them and their statistics. Um, but just to close out, Ricky Rudd and Tim Richmond. Um, we talked about Tim Richmond last week, so you guys know about that. But Ricky Rudd, very interesting. Um, I think he would be a poor man's Mark Martin would be fair to say. Um, he did finish second in the points in 1991, and he won 23 races. Um, he was an Ironman, tough as nails, probably the toughest NASCAR driver of all time. Um, and he was named on uh, both the 50th and 75th greatest driver list. So I feel like I, I wanted to at least throw Ricky in the podcast. So he also has the most starts ever in the history of the Cup Series. Yeah, I like Ricky, but – to me, and I know he finished second that one year, and that was when he was driving for Hendrick, correct? Um, in nineteen ninety one, if I'm not mistaken, he was driving that uh, Number he was five, driving the tied the, the five tied car, if I'm not mistaken here. Um, and then when he left to drive for his own team, he took the sponsor and went to ten to the ten number. In nineteen ninety one, he was driving. Yes, he was driving the five tied car. That would be correct. But I just don't feel the same way. But I mean, you can disagree to disagree. I yeah. put a guy now. Why my brain did not think about Junior Johnson, I do not know. He obviously should have been in my top five. I probably would have. No offense, I probably would have took Junior off of it. But well, I think that's good for the sake of the podcast, though, so, because still, yeah. you know, still talking about him. Um, I just feel like Ricky again is not a guy that gets shown a lot of love. Not saying that he should or he shouldn't. I'm just saying that he should get shown. He should at least get talked about. I mean, we're talking about a guy that I mean, he's old enough that he raced with a race against Benny Parsons and mm-hmm. Ricky or Benny Parsons and David Pearson in their prime, right? And Ricky yeah. Petty in his prime, like he's that old, but he's also raced with. I mean, his last ever race was in '07, so. He also raced against. Um, he he had raced in the in in the final race when Jimmy Johnson won his second championship. Just put that in perspective. 
Like he was yeah. racing against David Pearson in his prime, but he also raced with Jimmy Johnson in his prime. So for his career to span that long, I, I feel like um, deserved to be talked about a little bit. But again, I get what you're saying. Like there's more deserving guys, and I feel like we covered them on our list, but definitely in that honorable mention category. Um, and no doubt about being told, anybody that would tape their eyes open to race, <laughs> I admire them. No, that is an incredible story. And he wound up winning a race at Riverside with his eyes taped open. First off, that'll never happen again because NASCAR won't let it. But that is one of the coolest stories of all time. And my, he is uh, the center of it. My, my most impressive thing about Ricky Rodman, we'll close everything up, is in 98 when he went at Martinsville, um, when his cooling system broke like halfway through the race, and he was literally burning himself inside the race car. Like he was literally, I think he had. They said he had burns and blisters over most of his body, um, and they had to put him on a. They had to put an oxygen mask on him, and that's the way he did the post race interview in Victory Lane, like laying out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, tough as nails, tough as race car driver they ever was. So, and. You know, and he was the probably the last true owner driver to win a race in the Cup Series. Yeah, yeah, come, yeah, yeah. He would would be um, because he won it, that Martinsville race. I think would be the last one, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, because he ended up having to sell out because he ended up having to sell out and uh, go drive for Robert Yates after that. After he mm-hmm. sold his stuff. And that's where he was at when I first started watching was in the 28 Haviland car before going to yeah. Wood Brothers. Yeah, it's funny because him and him and Elliot basically did a swap after 2002. Mm-hmm. And Ricky went and got in the, the Wood Brothers and Elliot went over and didn't drive the 28, but rather the 38 for for Robert. So I feel like we covered a lot of good guys. I, I don't feel like we left anybody out. Like, I don't, I don't feel like there's anybody that would make well, an argument to say, that you, you guys didn't talk about this guy. So Well, there is one honorable mention guy that I debated on. Okay. And he – talk about age. He started real late. He was rook, – his rookie year, he was in his early 40s, Mr. September. Here again. Mm-hmm. Talent I never wise, heard that nickname. I never heard that nickname. Yeah, he won the four in a row the whole month of September in 91. I believe yep. it was. So they started calling him Mr. September. He won all four races in September that year. And was on his way to winning five in a row, and Mr. Earnhardt kind of got in his way or hit him out of, out of Earnhardt's <laughs> way. But uh, that – I don't have all the stats right here because I decided not to put him on the list, but he definitely had a incredible amount of talent. And to be winning that, he was 50 years old in his 50s winning four consecutive cup races. So just imagine if he would have got in there and his, back then what would have been normal would have been early 30s. Right. In a top-notch equipment. There's no telling what he might have done either. So he's just always one guy I've always been really interested in. And a fan favorite back in those days. No doubt. But uh, is there anything else you want to touch on today, Brett? No, I, like I said, um, I felt like touched on uh, most of the guys that needed to be talked about. Um, Mark, it seems to be a consensus, but um, a good argument for Denny is to be had if he finishes out his career um, and doesn't doesn't win one. So I'm uh, looking forward to Pocono on Sunday. Um, I'm upset 
don't know if you saw this, but they have changed victory lane. So you're not like up on that elevated porch or I guess I call it a porch. I don't know what it is, but or what it was. But they have redone victory lane. So I'm quite upset about that. But I didn't look, see that. I've been Sunday. And and got me and Brett are not two mid twenty year olds living in our mama's basement doing this stuff. We have careers. So some days we may not be as up to date on stuff. So yeah, I have missed the uh Victory Lane stuff this week about Pocono. Yeah, I uh, I just saw it. I don't know. I saw a bunch of people complaining about how Pocono isn't the same anymore. And I was like, what did they do? I had a turn four. <laughs> like, what did they do? You know, like how is it not the same? And then somebody put the the victory lane on there. And um yeah, so, yeah, it's more like, I don't know, it's kind of like more of a, it's not elevated. Like, the crew members used to be on that porch-looking thing behind you. They don't mm-hmm. have that anymore. They did it for some kind of hospitality thing, the the paddock, as they're calling it. So, it's more, they basically bulldoze that thing down and put up a new thing for, I guess, a VIP fan experience. So, it seems like a money grab. Um, I just searched it up and looked at it here. But, yeah, I think that's the only big thing. That we could cover pre-race wise before Sunday with Pocono, but yeah, oh. still excited for that. Are they really calling it a paddock? So, uh, yeah, a paddock, a P A D D A C. We're not, we're not F one. <laughs> oh my lord! Now I'm mad. It's just, it's the street race all over again. <laughs> uh, uh, blind world, we gotta call it a paddock. We're not single file. Don't have a lead change in our biggest race of the year for twenty years. That ain't us. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I don't even want to. I don't even start bashing F one. I don't. I don't get the popularity, and I just love it when F one fans say that we don't have real racing. I'm like, y'all don't have racing. Period. Y'all just follow the leader for two hours. You were here first. Jonathan Booth hates Formula One. <laughs> I don't hate it. It just bugs me that F1 fans act like it's so much better than NASCAR. And I just do not understand it. F1 is a perfect uh, sleeping TV show. If you need a nap, turn on the F1 race. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm with you. I, uh, yeah, I, I got to – we'll finish off with this. But I have a friend who is still in college, and he tried to get in debate with me. Uh, a few weeks ago or so about how Formula One is the most popular brand of motorsport. I said, not in this country, actually. <laughs> I said, NASCAR still, and I think forever will be the most popular brand or whatever you want to call it, of motorsports in America. He said, that's just not true. I said, actually, it is true. It is. Formula One is the most popular internationally. I said, well, you know, obviously, because they go to 8 million different countries throughout the year, but NASCAR is the most popular sport motor brand of motorsport in America. And I think NASCAR would be the most popular brand of motorsport in, in the world if they ran internationally. Um I mean it was in the nineties when they were going to Japan and Canada. So just just putting that out there. Just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, we kinda got off topic a little bit, but I don't think I've, I think that was worthy to know. Yeah, we'll have to uh touch on that again later because that just it really bugs me. It's just, I don't get it. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, I think it's time to close this out. We have gotten way, way off the script of this show. 
But uh, guys, y'all enjoy y'all's race weekend. Watch real racing, aka the Cup Series and Xfinity Series and trucks. Support your local short tracks, and y'all have a great one. We'll see y'all Monday for a review of Pokemon. Have a good one. Later.